three minutes, we will be discussing the second Jurassic Park sequel, One Minute at a Time. I'm Brad. And Dan. And on this episode, we'll be discussing Minute 8 of Jurassic Park 3. Before we get into today's minutes, a little bit of news or housekeeping to bring up. Uh, those that watch or listen to the podcast on YouTube may have noticed the last week, uh, where are we, Minute 6 and 7 <laughs> didn't go up on YouTube. Reason being, one, there's, there's only a couple of people that sort of listen to the, vid- the videos over there or the podcast there, so it's sort of, it's it's a bit of an effort converting the podcast to video and doing all that, but the other reason too is new laptops running Windows 10 and the I used to just use uh, Microsoft Movie Maker as a free service just to slap the video together and get it up. It was fairly pain-free, but uh, Windows 10 has made a new Movie Maker now and you can't load the old one and it's a, subscri- uh, a subscription service. So I'm not paying to make videos, just to uh, to put them up on YouTube. I know, David, you, you sort of listen to the podcast via YouTube and that, but it's with great sadness. We've um, I've pulled the uh, the YouTube versions of the podcast from release, so what will happen with the uh, YouTube channel? Don't know, unsure. It'll, it'll stay up there. All the uh, Lost World Minutes up there, so you can catch up on the uh, podcast there, but... As for uh, moving forward, Jurassic Park 3, we're not going to be doing the video version of the podcast. Alright. So where are we going to be putting them then? We're still still releasing the two a week over on podbean.com. It's it's still the lostworldminute.podbean.com just because changing the the name of the RSS feed in the podcast there leads to a lot of issues that I've had trouble with in the past. So it's, it's the one thing that's remained, the Lost World Minute, but everything else is Jurassic Minute or Jurassic Minutes. Gotcha. Does anyone have a question that does not relate to Jurassic Park or the incident in San Diego, which I did not witness? David, this past week, uh, something leaked, and <laughs> something big leaked, didn't it? I, <laughs> yeah. I, not that we don't typically uh, talk about leaks on this program, but this one is kind of special because it's something we've both really been hoping for. Yeah, well, we we had a lengthy discussion last week about um, me getting a one of the uh, Fresh and Fro Rexes custom painted into the uh, the bull design. And although this may not be that bull, it, I think it's leading towards more Jurassic Park free. But we've had a leak of um, a green T Rex in the legacy mm-hmm. packaging. Yeah, that's right, and it's really exciting because I mean. Even though it's not, I'm sure it's going to be more toyish in coloration than what a repaint would look like. It still looks really cool, and really hoping for this one. Really hoping they don't drop the ball on this one like uh, they did for the Spinosaurus. <laughs> yeah, let's let's hope they get on top of the distribution and start getting some more of these figures out, but. It, it does seem to be a lot, lot of a lighter green and yellowy colour, which does lead it leads to believe it's probably more of that um, that young male from Jurassic Park Three. But it's still it's still a retool or recolor of that T Rex, so it's still going to be the same size as the Rex that's out already. But yeah. definitely excited. I've I've have been talking to a customizer here that I was going to get my fresh and fro painted, but I've just said to him, "I'll just hold up for a month and see what <laughs> this turns out to be." <laughs> Because it'll save a lot of paint instead of trying to paint a brown T-Rex green. But, mm-hmm. um, and now you can just sort of go to work on this one with the airbrush, hopefully, and just add all the detail it needs. So, mm-hmm. But definitely excited. Yeah, me too. I mean, this is something I've been hoping 
we would get since uh, Mattel got the license, and looks like it finally might happen. Yep, and we can finally replay that scene in our own mind and uh, with our own figures and video it and make the T-Rex win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, anything else on that you want to discuss before we get into today's minute? Yeah, I think, uh, I think we just said all we could about that. Yeah, as as you said before, it's a leak, so we didn't want to go too much into it. Once, um, I don't know what else is left for the year. That might be it for toy reveals until Toy Fair next February. So, although this looks a lot longer along along the line than just a prototype, so we might know something by Christmas. We might not, but we'll definitely be talking about it if we do see that come out sooner. Mm-hmm. I could write all kinds of numbers on this check, Doctor Grant. Tell me. What's it going to take? Hello, Jurassic Minutes listeners. Brad here. Do you like the Jurassic franchise? Of course you do. You listen to this podcast and most likely the other Jurassic-themed podcasts out there. If you're not, go and do it right now. But do you also like mysteries and mysteries pertaining to the Jurassic franchise? Well, David and I have teamed up to produce a special Patreon-only show deep into some of those mysteries. What did kill the men on the parasailing boat in Jurassic Park 3? What is the real story behind the five deaths? And did a hurricane really hit Isla Nublar back in 1993 during the Jurassic Park incident? All these mysteries and more we tackle twice a month for your listening pleasure. For as low as a dollar over at our Patreon page, Jurassic Minutes. Head over, check out the podcast, and let's go on the journey to solve some mysteries together. As we open minute eight, Alan's lecture continues. He's saying the raptors have been able to vocalise and it would have been a tremendous evolutionary advantage. Um, he goes on to say raptors are fierce, intelligent and socially sophisticated. They are able to hunt in numbers and coordinate their efforts. And if it weren't for the cataclysmic events which overtook them, it is entirely possible that raptors rather than humans would have become the dominant species on the planet. Scary. But <laughs> <laughs> well, um, probably unlikely. Yeah. Well... Maybe maybe actual raptors, two, three foot tall raptors that are smaller and not not um, be as large. Because mm, <laughs> that's how a lot of the, the smaller mammals survived because they didn't didn't need to eat a lot and everything else. I'm thinking back then, but it it, it is it, it does seem like a bit of a um, poorly scripted bit just to sort of put that fear back in the raptors again or just sort of show that intelligence. <laughs> Yeah, he finishes his um, his little speech there and he thanks the crowd and says he hopes it's been of interest to him. And uh, as he goes on, we cut to the rear of the auditorium to a shot looking forward of him up the podium and you can start to see people getting up and leaving. Mm-hmm. And there were some people getting up and leaving before when we got that transition across the table of fossils at the front of the stage there. But he um, he continues, it's uh, why we continue to need and ask for your support and thank you. So he's he's here for a um, to find support and funding. It's not just a college lecture to young aspiring paleontologists or anything like that. <laughs> There's an awkward silence before the lady running the lecture begins to clap her hands and stands up and prompting the crowd to uh, clap along also. <laughs> and um, she there's a microphone there. She stands over at it and thanks Dr. Grant and addresses the crowd, asking if anyone has a question. And the shot changes to the rear of the auditorium again as dozens of hands shoot into the air. 
<laughs> Which, mm. it starts to, um, you start to see why people are here. <laughs> mm-hmm. As the minute ends, Alan takes a microphone from the podium and begins to walk across the stage, sighing and saying, fine. <laughs> and we're going to get to the second part of his uh, response next minute, but... It's given me the idea that he's seen this reaction before, and it's not anything new to him. Mm. Yeah, it makes me wonder how, how, how public the um, well, of course, the T Rex in San Diego outed in Jenner Jurassic Park and everything else, and we'll get a little bit more to that next minute with what some of the um, people there at the lecture ask him, but. Them, them being consultants back in 93 and going to the park, it wouldn't seem like that sort of information would be as well released as just, hey, InGen here and they made dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. And whether or not he, Ellie, Malcolm... Well, he, read, he wrote the book, so obviously they've spoke out about it possibly after that. Um, but to, to what extent, we don't really know. If he's if he's come out and done the, uh, the news circuit saying, oh yeah, I was there and seen it happen and to either bring InGen down or just to um, to get some money. Mm-hmm. We don't really know. Um, I don't feel like Alan's really the kind of person to, like, hack the tragedy of others to get a scent, you know? Yeah. It just not struck me, it strikes me as that kind of person. Well, even Ian was the same in The Lost World, where he never took a scent. He was, he was doing it to out InGen because they hid the deaths of those people and paid off the families and you, you just wonder if, if the two or even any of those survivors had got together post Jurassic Park and discussed making it public or speaking out because of what InGen was doing and Ian deciding to go and do it while they said no we're not going to be a part of it because for whatever reasons and just went back to the dig site mm-hmm. but yeah you can definitely definitely see here that this isn't the first time he's, um, he's had these sort of people and you just imagine over the last four years, just whenever he's at some any sort of public event, even even the dig site, like if he's running that dig site, he'd be in charge of applications and who, I can't remember, interns or whatever the... Interns? Yeah. College college people coming out and doing doing spending some time on dig sites for their mm. college degrees and that. Like, you can only imagine having the increase of people and all that that just want to talk to him about it. And not so much be there to, to dig up dinosaurs. It makes someone very very wary. Mm. But that's um, minute eight. Getting briefly into the script comparisons, we get some more insight into what's Grant, what Grant's doing at the auditorium in the script. Um, it's described as his last stop on his fundraising tour, and it's a public lecture hosted by some foundation. Uh, the scientists and students there, but also a lot of dino fans, some even in costumes. <laughs> <laughs> Which we don't see. <laughs> I could just imagine today the meta that would gone on. There'd be people in the inflatable oh, movies. Oh yes. <laughs> you could just imagine they'd be standing. They'd be like call girls on the side of the stage, just standing there. <laughs> Luckily, we don't see that in the film. But it's sort of interesting costumes. Like it'd be fair enough if it was Star Wars or something. There'd be a wide range of costumes, but. It'd only have to be dinosaur costumes, wouldn't it? Like, they wouldn't be going yeah. dressed as Dr. Grant as in 1993 or <laughs> Ian Malcolm with a jet black mullet. They'd be, it'd have to be as dinosaurs, you'd imagine. Yeah, I'd imagine as well, yeah. But it would have been funny. In the, it would have been a bit of levity in the film. Yeah. 
if if he arrived, I could just see him arrive at the back of the uh, lecture hall or something, the driveway or, or the alleyway behind it, and looking around the corner and just seeing all these cosplayers out in front waiting to get in the door and just walking back to the car and driving off. <laughs> just not wanting to have anything to do with it whatsoever, but just what he has to put up with to try and get funding for the dig. But it's also, um, while he's doing his little lecture, there's also a slideshow going on in the back that we don't see in the film either. And that's sort of, when that slideshow ends, it sort of takes a moment for the uh, the lady running the lecture to realise that it's over and get up and clap and get the crowd clapping as well. But um, it's also described that Grant is not surprised to see all these hands go up wanting to ask a question as we sort of covered in the minute he, <laughs> he knew as soon as he uh, put the que- um, the question out there for questions. If you could understand that poor English, he uh, he knew exactly what was going to happen. <laughs> but um, that's minute eight. Anything else, Dave, before we get heavy for the day? Yeah, I think that's uh, pretty well covered. All right. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at lostworldminute.com. The main website is jurassicminutes.wordpress.com and you can find the Lost World Minutes and Jurassic Minutes over on Facebook with the uh, pages there. David, where are you on Twitter and Instagram? Uh, Twitter, we are at Jurassic Minute. Uh, Instagram is the Jurassic Minutes Podcast. Some of the worst things imaginable have been done with the best intentions. This is how you make dinosaurs? This is how you play God. If we split up, I'm going with you guys. Dinosaurs lived 65 million years ago. What is left of them is fossilized in the rocks. And it is in the rock that real scientists make real discoveries. Now what John Hammond and InGen did at Jurassic Park is create genetically engineered theme park monsters. Nothing more and nothing less. Uh, Are you saying that you wouldn't want to get onto Isla Sorna and study them if you had the chance? No force on earth or heaven could get me on that island. You're desky. Hello? Charlie! Charlie! Hello? Charlie, take the phone to mommy now! Take the phone to mommy! It's the, it's the dinosaur there! Okay.